Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. This is our ACC football preview episode. But before that, we're going to be joined by a minority owner of the Green Bay Packers. Talk about all things Aaron Rodgers and everything going on there. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. I'm your host, Vince Stover. I am joined, as I often am, by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, welcome into the program. How you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Excited to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. I want to start off by saying um, thank you to our sponsors, Skull Candy and Yeti Coolers. In the podcast notes and descriptions, you'll find the links for Yeti Coolers and for Skull Candy. Please go on there and uh, click on those links, get to their websites, and what you'll find there are some great deals going on right now. Yeti has their new luggage line out. Uh, as well. So that's worth taking a look at. And then still some great deals on the dime, uh, true wireless earbuds from skull candy. Uh, great deal there. So make sure you go check those out as well. All right, dad, we've ha- had some, some interesting happenings over the last couple of days, uh, since the second day of the NFL football draft. We have been saying, and I have been saying, that Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers in week one. And, uh, well, unless there's injury or COVID issues, that's going to be true. I also said that I really thought he was going to sign an extension. Um, that's beginning to not look true. So I'm I'm batting 500 right now on the Aaron Rodgers situation. But uh, he reports today to camp. He uh, showed up. I was following uh, my sources at the Green Bay Airport earlier today to see when he was going to land, but uh, landed in good time, made it in, and uh, is with the team now. Everything seems to be relatively back to normal, at least for the start of the season. So go ahead and give me your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, and all that's happened and all that uh, may still still come 
and the Aaron Rodgers situation? Well, I like I said, I thought he would come back. Um, he did. It's been very interesting, uh, obviously. Uh, you still hear a lot of things in the next couple of days. Um, it should get some clarity on exactly what the agreements were that were reached and where it's going to be. I'll be very interested to hear um, comments both from him and from the team, which surely we will in the next few days. be interesting to hear what's said, how it's said. Um, I think it would be good for him to explain as much as possible. Uh, Teammate-wise, I think they'll be excited that he's there. I saw a picture of him coming into Lambeau Field today. Looked like he always did. Um, I think he'll, you know, tomorrow to be just like always. He'll go out of his way to meet the rookies, uh, be a help to people there. Um, probably a lot of joking around. Some different people. Boyle's not there now, and different ones there. But um, I would think the team will be glad to have him. I'm sure the coaching staff is glad to have him. They're probably doing some work tonight, but I don't think that'll be any problem with him. Um, you know, catching on there. Uh, there are a lot of practices uh, this year open to the public. Um, so you're going to have the public there pretty quick. It will be interesting. I think he needs to handle it right so the reaction is right from the fans. But I think overall people be excited. Um, we got a lot of people back. There's reason to think uh, the Packers will do real well this year. And, um, Again, I'm you know I'm glad he's back. I've been very frustrated at some of the things he's done or how it's been handled. But I don't think we know all the issues. I think the same way with uh, agreement, you hear different things, but until it really comes out, what's in place? But I know the general tenor from the coaching staff, from Matt Fleur, from everybody, would be, hey, let's play football. We're here to play football now, and um, that'll be the overriding theme. Um, but obviously the media won't let that be the only thing. So two questions come out of that. Number one, let's start with this one, the players in the locker room. Um, a lot's been made throughout this year. You've, you've said things throughout this year about, you know, if he's supposed to be good friends with these guys, how are they going to take this? It seems like overall players have been able to understand the business side of things and how things work. But then you get the news comes out that he wants Randall Cobb on the team, and and uh, the reports are coming in that Randall Cobb is is coming back to Green Bay. So if you're a wide receiver in Green Bay and you're not named Devontae Adams, how do you feel about Rodgers saying, I've got to have my guy, Randall Cobb, with me, or I'm not coming back to play? Well, I, I think um... – I think it'll be the guys that were lower on the depth chart that'll be affected. I think the top through two or three guys won't be. I think they've made um, good headway with having good chemistry with him. I think Scantling made big strides. People have more confidence in him, I think. Um, his speed is the big thing. Now, you're going to have Amari Rogers, who also has a lot of speed um, there. But I think Lazard is very tight. Um, tied in. I don't think there's any problem with that. I think Funches will have a hard time making the team now. Uh, the thing about Randall Cobb is he's going to have great chemistry um, with Aaron Rodgers. There'll be no doubt about that. I think it, it gives Rodgers another target that you know he knows exactly where he's going to be um, from there. But again, he developed a lot with Tanya last year. Um, I, I think the players are going to be um, – okay, 
you know, with Aaron Rodgers. Now, it depends, again, what comes out, what other demands are made. I mean, you already have Mercedes Lewis there. I think that was a move to, you know, please Rodgers, even though he's a good guy, uh, very much a leader in the locker room. And I think that's where Cobb is going to fit in uh, to some extent also. I don't think he will be a problem with his attitude and how he does things. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see more of that in the next few days. Yeah, Cobb was not happy when he left Green Bay. He didn't He didn't um, necessarily love the front office when he left. And now you've got two disgruntled guys, and you might be able to add Devontae Adams to that. We're not really sure yet on how he's feeling. Um, that's not good, especially if they come in with the, the concept that Rodgers is going to play one more year and then they're going to trade him. Well, you know how it gets, Dad. You were you were in a position of authority for many, many years, and you know when someone knows that, hey, my time's almost done, and there's not much they can do to me. That's a dangerous spot to be when you're in in the the, the position of authority. And I I have to admit, I'm a little worried about how this is going to go. If they're winning games, everything will be fine. Uh, but if there comes any any at all adversity in this season. My fear is it's going to get, it's going to get ugly really, really fast there. The other, the other things to consider, Dad, is the fans. And, uh, you know, as well as anybody, Green Bay Packer fans, they don't take lightly to, uh, to when they feel like they are jilted. Um, the Brett Favre stuff, you know, he made it very clear that he wanted to go play for Minnesota. Uh, Packer fans were not pleased with that, even though his time in Green Bay was done. You know, the, just the, the fact that he made it clear he wanted to go play in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, it now eventually the fans forgave him. Eventually everybody got over it and everything was fine. Now Aaron Rodgers is in the situation where he's saying, Hey, I want out. And he's been saying it now this year and he's made it very clear that he does. You know, if Aaron Rodgers goes somewhere next year, they trade him at the end of the season, whatever it may be. Um, uh, I still think the, 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 Landing spots for him, we'll talk about this more next year, but uh, Denver, Vegas, and Miami make the most sense. But nonetheless, if he goes somewhere else next year, and if this year it comes out where it for sure is, hey, this is his last season in Green Bay, do you think that the Packer fans are actually going to be okay with this? Or do you think he comes trotting onto the field for the first regular season game, uh, he might hear some boo birds coming out of the stadium? Oh, I think there's no doubt about that. People are very frustrated with him. Um, I don't believe it'll get into a situation where we really know during the year that he's not coming back. Um, if that happens, then yes, I think that would be very frustrating for everybody, and that would turn into a real mess. Um, he may know, the Packers may know, but I think the Packers are very optimistic, trying to make changes, trying to do things. Um, which the front office may need to make some changes. We've talked about that. Um, the guy at the top, I think, is running a much more of a business uh, but, than, than as the Packers. And yeah, but the Packers are a family. The changes that need to be made are not going to be made because the, the one that needs to be made is the guy that's making the decisions. So he's not gonna he's not gonna fire himself. And that's where the that's what needs to change ultimately is the guy that's calling the shots. No, but the the, the board could have something to do with that. Um, obviously, Roger's going to have to comment about um, how he feels about Goody, um, how he feels about Murphy. I think he's already clear about uh, Matt Lafleur that he really likes him. Um, 
I think going into the season, there's going to have to be some understanding whether there's going to be workability, especially with – I can't believe that Goody is necessarily uh, the big problem. Maybe he is. I don't know. He drafted Jordan Love. Um, but I, I think he can um, – I, I think that can be worked out from there. And, again, we'll see how Rodgers uh, handles it. Um, I mean, if, if they have great success and he – you know, says, hey, I want to come back. I want to keep being a part of this, but I don't want to be on the other end of that. Not not, not if it's going real well. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Again, I think it'll be interesting to see how he patches stuff up. He may just say, hey, I just need to get along with the players and the coaches, and I don't think that'll be a problem. But he's been very complimentary of the fans, about Packer fans, about Lambeau Field. Um, as much as any guy from out on the West Coast, he's tried to fit in in Wisconsin. He's talked about having a Wisconsin driver's license. He's talked about the grocery store that he loves the commercials of. Um, he has really tried to fit in Wisconsin. You know, he's involved with the Bucks. Um, so I, I don't see him all of a sudden saying, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't believe that'll be it. <laughs> Um, and I think I think he's had plenty of time to know how he's going to address this. I don't think he just decided in the last couple of days that he was coming back. Um, oh, no, no, no. I, I think he's known that. And yeah. um, Aaron Rodgers usually has a plan for what he's going to say and what he's going to do. I don't think that there was very few days at all since the draft where anybody in the front office or in Aaron Rodgers' camp thought that he was not going to be in – at the time that he came in and play for the season. I, I don't think that was ever really in question. Um, the question was, is, is how much longer will he be in Green Bay? Will it be past this year? Um, was, has always been the question. And that's what we've been telling everybody, uh, from the get go is, Hey, you know, this season, there, there's no other option. He's the starting quarterback for Green Bay and he'll be there when he has to be there, which is today. And, uh, and, and, you know, from there it is what it is. But I, I have to admit I'm concerned as a Packer fan, um, as a as an Aaron Rodgers fantasy uh, owner. I'm concerned that things might not go smoothly um, because let's face it, he's kind of gotten into this um, mindset now where you know I just got to make myself happy as long as I feel happy I'm fine. Well, he's not going to be happy if the crowd's booing him and if they're yeah. losing games, and it's going to get really really ugly really fast if that happens but this is a team that has won 13 games each of the last two seasons uh so they're not a bad team uh they got a lot of talent on the team and and they are right where they need to be to win a super bowl but you know and if they win a super bowl maybe it's kind of like lebron james in cleveland where you say hey at least they won another super bowl now everybody can say hey it, it was worth it now he can go somewhere else and everybody'll be okay with it i don't know but uh I don't know. I, at this point, I got to see, and like you said, we got to hear what's said now from Aaron Rodgers, from the front office. How are they going to handle it now that he's back and, uh, and kind of go from there? And one other quarterback thing before we get into the ACC preview, uh, Deshaun Watson, it was, came out today that his, um, court situation was not going to be handled until February, which means the NFL has to decide, are they going to suspend him? Or are they going to let him play? Because the legal matter will not be taken care of until next year after the football season is done. So he reports to camp, Deshaun Watson does, uh, into Houston, and uh, but still says, I'm not playing for Houston. 
a lot of things have been said about Philadelphia. Uh, Miami as well has been, has been sprinkled out there as well as possible landing places for, uh, Deshaun Watson. Philadelphia makes a, a lot of sense. They don't have a quarterback of the future there. Um, and Deshaun Watson, as I've said over and over again, he's a top three quarterback as it sits right now in the NFL. And, uh, so he's going to end up somewhere. Dad, what is the chances Deshaun Watson does not get suspended any games in this season? Um, I think there's a good chance he won't because the legal matter, um, without there being a legal matter settled, um, I mean, I, the NFL can worry about an image part of it, and they are very worried about their image a lot of times. But um, apart from that, it, I, without the legal matter being settled, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure there. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's cleared to play uh, until the legal thing is solved, or until more things come up during the year that you just can't, you know, get around. Yeah, I mean, there's been more accusations even this week uh, uh, against Deshaun Watson. I would be surprised if he does not get suspended some games, uh, no matter what, just because of the image issue. They can do that. They've done it before. Um, so I would expect him to at least get suspended four games, if not six. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if he gets traded sooner rather than later. I think Houston's done with them. I think they have in their mind that they're going to just get the best offer they can get. They're going to try to get fair market value for them and uh, and go out and, and and get as many pieces as they can to start the rebuild. I think you'll see the rookie quarterback uh, Davis uh, get some some playing time this year. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback down in Houston and I think that's what you should expect to see week one in Houston. We'll talk about that more when we get to our NFL preview next month. But now we continue our college football preview and today we are talking the ACC. I put a poll out on the Twitterverse uh, earlier this week asking who would win the coastal division of the ACC. As I assume we all we all figured that uh, Clemson was going to win the other division. So the options I gave was North Carolina, Miami, Virginia Tech, or other. North Carolina takes the poll at 56%, Miami 25%. Virginia Tech, 13%, and other lands with 6% over there. Dad, we'll get your thoughts on those teams uh, here a little bit later. But each time we do a conference, we have split up the conference teams into tiers. Five tiers that we have. Tier number one is the national championship contender, meaning that this year they could contend for the national championship. Tier two is conference champions contenders. So this is any team that has the possibility of this year winning the conference, surprising maybe uh, the favorite in winning the conference. Tier three is schools that we believe could be a contender within five years, a program that is either moving the right direction or with one swift fire and higher uh, could move the right direction quickly. That's tier number three. Tier number four is a contender one day, maybe. A uh, school that maybe doesn't look like they're anywhere close right now, but with either it be history, whether it be with coach, whether it be whatever, there is always that potential of them becoming a contender one day. And then tier number five we call the Vanderbilt tier, uh, the team that is just doesn't really belong and has no chance of winning ever. Uh, so, Dad, I'm going to let you go through your tier, starting with tier number one in the ACC. 
Well, the, the national championship tier is pretty easy. That'd be Clemson. I think they're the only team in the ACC that has a shot at the national championship. And Clemson has a very good shot at it, no doubt about it. Tier number two, conference champion contender. Um, I believe that would be Miami and North Carolina. I think those would be the ones, um, again, they'll, they'll win in the coastal, one of the two. And um, then you'd have, you know, a battle for the conference championship. I don't know that either one would be Clemson, um, but those would be the two teams I think would vie there. All right. Tier number three, a contender within five years. Um, again, a little hard to say, but some that uh, seem to be on the rise, I think Boston College. I think Pitt is getting better. Uh, Virginia Tech definitely falls in there. I think Florida State will get better. They may have a ways to go yet, but I think they will. And NC State um, has been doing well, and I think that has potential. So the ones in the five years I have was Boston College, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and NC State. All right, tier number four, contender one day, maybe. One day, maybe Louisville, um, maybe Georgia Tech, almost put them in the higher category, and then Wake Forest. Um, maybe maybe they will improve. They've had things there. So that means you have three teams in Tier 5? Yes, I do. All I right, do. Give, us, give us the Vanderbilt tier. All right, well, we have um, Duke and Syracuse. Um, they're just not good this year. Uh, now, both have had teams that were good. So I wondered about putting them here, but as far as teams that really are going to struggle at least this year and maybe for a few years to come, I would think Duke and Syracuse. The other team uh, in the Vanderbilt tier that belongs there is Virginia, Virginia for two different reasons. One, they're not a football school. And secondly, um, they were rude to the Sports Stove podcast. <laughs> um, there's never a good reason to be rude, and especially when you're mediocre. So there was no reason for that. And I think coaches in the other conference should be put on guard that if you're going to be rude to the Sports Stove podcast, you could end up also at West End in Nashville. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. We actually were pretty close on the tiers this time around. I too had only one team in tier one. That was Clemson. We had the same teams in tier two, Miami and North Carolina. Tier three, we had four of the same teams. We both had NC State, Florida State, Boston College, and Virginia Tech. Um, I put Louisville in tier number three, and I really struggled with three and four this, this time around. Uh, for the ACC of trying to figure out who I thought could be a legitimate contender within the next five years. But Louisville's been able to bring in some some really talented people in the past, and uh, so I think they can recruit there as well. And so I put them up there in tier number three. Tier four, contenders one day maybe. I've got Pitt, who I think is improving, but I, I don't know that they've been consistent enough to be in the next five years. Wake Forest, uh, Georgia Tech, and then I put Virginia in Tier 4. I considered putting them down there in the Vanderbilt Tier as well. But Bronco Mendenhall has had success elsewhere, which means he could have success at Virginia as well. Maybe they fire him and go with another coach because of uh, – and it wasn't him so much as his people, but nonetheless, uh, the not-so-kind way of and, – and, you know, you said it great. Uh, why be so rude when you're just mediocre? It's one thing if you're the best in the world and I don't got time for you, for you people, but, 
um, you know, why why wouldn't you join the sports stove and have a quick conversation about the upcoming season? Uh, and by the way, Virginia told me that Bronco Mendenhall is putting 100% of his time into preparing for the season. And so him, uh, nor really any other college football coach would have time for me. Um, but uh, we thank again Tom Allen for joining us on our Big Ten episode uh, not too long ago. Uh, tier number five then, the Vanderbilt tier. Last week when we were doing the Big Ten, I, I put beside Vanderbilt athletically, not academically, but the reality is, is Duke is academically with Vanderbilt, but they're also athletically with them in football. Uh, not looking good. I really like David Cutcliffe as a person. I think he's a great person, but football is just not working out at Duke. Uh, Syracuse as well, same thing. They're just not Football's not their school. They've had good players come through. Um, some all-time players have come through Syracuse. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're not going to contend in the ACC anytime too soon. All right, that brings us down to our Big Ten preview. We're going to start off with the uh, the top of the class, pretty much, so to say, the Clemson Tigers. Uh, an interesting team, nonetheless. They are coached by Dabo Swinney. Um, uh, a very polarizing head football coach. Uh, either you love him or you hate him. He is 140 and 33 as head coach of the Clemson Tigers. This year they bring in a sophomore quarterback, DJ Uyangulale. I have to say it really, really slow to get it correct. Um, but he played nine games last year. Threw the ball for 66.7% completion percentage, 914 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Their win total is 11 and a half. They lose a great quarterback and the ACC's all-time leading rusher and Travis Etienne, but they do return nine defensive starters this year. Uh, there for Clemson. Dad, give me your thoughts. Uh, not, don't take too long on it because I got to assume we agree a lot, a lot of things here with Clemson. Uh, but your thoughts with Clemson coming into this year and the changes that have to be made. Well, I think Clemson, again, Clemson is going to be good. There's no doubt about it. I think their strength is coaching. They've been able to keep the assistant coaches there. I think that's been a help. They recruit tremendously they're one of the few schools that really compete with Alabama and some of the others in recruiting uh even though he recruits a little bit more of a narrow group of players in some ways uh he's very upfront about the kind of players he wants um but again folks want to play for him uh, I heard him interviewed earlier when they were talking about the NFL draft and he said this quarterback if he works hard he might be the first guy drafted in two or three years. So, of course, a coach probably would say that. But uh, he, he does look really good. Doesn't seem like a lot of weaknesses in Clemson. They'll have a couple big, you know, the Georgia game uh, there. And, of course, they've got to be ready to get upset in on any week. But they should be fine. Yeah, I think we saw last year from DJ that he is a, a real quarterback. He's going to be able to step in and play and win football games. And, uh, and I don't think there's a lot of concern about him, uh, there. I think there's a lot of confidence in what he has to give. The biggest question I have for Clemson is the running game. Who is going to be the one to step up? And they've got multiple running backs there. Uh, Lynn J. Dixon is the guy to, uh, really focus on. They've got two or three other guys that will get playing time as well. But that's kind of the biggest question I have is replacing Travis Etienne. How are they able to do that? 
and can they do it successfully? And when it comes to needed improvements from last year, I've got nothing to say. Clemson uh, has been phenomenal for several years now. They are consistent contenders, and uh, and every year it's we're kind of looking at them, Alabama and Ohio State. And uh, at this point, Clemson's been on top as much as as much as Alabama has. So uh, I think you got to put a lot of respect on Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers again this year. I predict them to go 12 wins undefeated this season. I looked through the schedule and just could not see. Obviously, they could lose a game. Uh, you got injuries. You have COVID stuff still uh, that could wipe out different things and, and, and ultimately lose a game. But I think they go undefeated, all things considered. That brings us to North Carolina State. NC State is coached by Dave Dorian. Uh, he's 55 and 46 as the Wolfpack's coach. Then you've got um, redshirt sophomore quarterback Devin Leary, who broke his leg uh, after four games last season, but he had 60% completion, 890 yards, eight touchdowns, and two interceptions in those four games. Their win total is at six and a half. They've got a really good running back tandem, a very experienced offensive line, and a really good defensive secondary as well. One of the things we're, we're going to talk about a lot through these ACC teams is high expectations. And NC State's coming into the season, I think, with pretty high expectations on them, even though six and a half is the win total. I think, generally speaking, ACC and ACC fans understand that this North Carolina team can be dangerous. Uh, North Carolina State team, excuse me, can be dangerous. Dad, your thoughts on NC State? Uh, I think, again, you know, I think they have potential. They may have overachieved a little bit lately. I think the thing about the ACC is after you get past the top three teams, then there's five or six teams uh, that are all kind of in there. And if any one team, NC State or any of these, can win four out of those six games, then they're going to be the team that, that, that is a little closer to the top. But if everybody beats everybody, then you're going to have a lot of six-win teams. Good point. Uh, biggest question for NC State is the defensive production up front uh, with some of the losses. And uh, like I said, their secondary is loaded. They've got a really good secondary. But that defensive front's going to have to have to step up and play well. Needed improvement is the turnovers. Last year, they just gave the ball away too much uh, to be successful. And I think if they protect the football, I think they can have a good season. I'm predicting eight wins for NC State. Uh, that is a couple above their win total prediction. And so we'll give them eight wins in second place in their division. Next up is Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley. He's six and five at BC. Uh, they've got the junior quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, and there's a lot of talk about him. Last year, 61% completion percentage. He had 2,558 yards, 17 touchdowns, and five interceptions. The win total for them is seven. They have a very fast-paced offense, a lot of passing, and they've got good receivers to go with that system as well. Boston College hasn't been necessarily great uh, anytime recently, but, Dad, what are your thoughts on them this year? I think they're getting better, and they're a team that I think could be at the top of that next echelon in the ACC, I looked at their schedule, and I think they could win as many as eight games. And if they do, then they're going to be pretty high up there. And uh, I think that you know their coach, you hear really great things about him, and um, should be one of the better teams. 
Yeah, the offense is really not too much of a question mark. There's a lot of good things uh, when it comes to the offense. Really, all the questions come to defense. The biggest question for them is their defense. Can they make stops? Can they hold? Can they uh, keep the score low on the opposite side, which gives their offense more flexibility? The biggest need for improvement is tackles for loss and for force forcing turnovers, something they did not do last year. They did not get into the backfield. Uh, to get tackles for loss, and they weren't great at getting turnovers either. So those areas have to improve for BC to be successful this year. The win total seven. I looked at the schedule. I've got them right at seven as well, uh, and I think that's a. Uh, uh, um, it's not going to be an easy seven for Boston College, but I think they get there this year and show some improvement. That brings us to the Louisville Cardinals head coach Scott Satterfield. Uh, he is twelve and thirteen at Louisville. And, uh, I got invited to media day at Louisville, dad. They said, uh, they said, you can talk to, to coach Satterfield, but, um, uh, you'll, you'll have to do it at media day and, uh, I won't be making it. Uh, sorry, Louisville fans. Uh, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, they've got redshirt junior quarterback Malik Cunningham. He's 64% completion last year, 2,617 yards, 20 touchdowns. 12 interceptions. Their win total is six and a half games. They have an experienced QB who has been overhyped to this point in his career. He's yet to live up to the expectations, but he does have a lot of in-game experience. They've got eight returning starters on offense. Their defense is depleted from last year. Uh, Dad, you might be a little more unbiased than I am when it comes to the Louisville Cardinals. What are your thoughts on them this year? Um, again, I, I think, you know, what the win total is six and a half. Mm-hmm. I think they may be a six and could qualify for a bowl. If they stumble, they could be under that. Uh, again, I think they're one of those teams that unless they really gel and come together, um, will be right there in the middle. Yeah, so they're replacing uh, six starters on their defense. Two of those will be linebackers, starting linebackers. Two of the three linebackers will be new this year. That's the biggest question, Mark. Can they replace the guys they lost this offseason? The needed improvement, though, comes on the offensive side of the ball with the run game. Uh, last year, they've got more of run game out of Malik Cunningham than really they did out of their running backs, and they need a running back to step up and play well so they're not putting their quarterback at risk so often. And the O-line play plays into that, too. It's not been great in the run game, especially. And uh, so there's a lot of room for improvement with Louisville. I looked at their schedule, Dad, and I was trying to be as optimistic as I could. I couldn't find more than five wins for Louisville this year. Um, you know, the, Now, if they come out and the O-line is drastically better, then maybe that does bump up to six or seven wins. But looking at, at the team they have and at the schedule they're playing this year, I'm sitting at five wins for Louisville this year and a, a major disappointment for them if that's the way it shakes out. Wake Forest is the next team in the division. Dave Clawson, the head coach, he is 40 and 45 as the Wake Forest head coach. They'll be starting a redshirt sophomore at quarterback Sam Hartman. Last year he was 58% completion. Uh, just over 2,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. Their win total is at six and a half. They have a very fun offense. They really have lower level talent at Wake Forest. They've not been able to rec- recruit, uh, the big name players. They're also returning all 11 offensive players into this season, which means they should show, show some improvement 
in an area they were already relatively strong in. Dad, your thoughts on Wake Forest? Well, again, anytime you're returning a lot of starters, you have a chance, um, you know, there. But again, I think it's like we've talked about. They're going to have to win a couple games there in the middle of the pack and uh, dominate some of the last two or three teams we've talked about um, to get to get to a bowl. You know, I was thinking this might be a little bit of a surprise team, but with the win total at six and a half, I guess it's not a huge surprise. I've got them at seven wins. Um, their biggest question is the offensive line. Um, they're going to be more experienced this year. So as long as they improve with age, um, you know, that's kind of where it's going to lean a lot on for Wake Forest this season. Their, their needed improvement is on third down defense and pass defense though, because their offense is, is electric and it can kind of get things produced because of the way that it runs. The defense, on the other hand, has to make stops, has to give win the field position battle, and they also have to do a better job of, of keeping other teams' uh, score score total down a little bit as well. But I think it's going to be a good season for Wake Forest. I got them at seven wins uh, here this season. Now on to Florida State. Uh, Mike Norvell, the coach there, three and six in his first year at FSU. They will be uh, starting sophomore Jordan Travis at quarterback. He is a 55% completion, 1,056 yards, six touchdowns, six interceptions last year. They do bring in a transfer from Central Florida, Mackenzie Milton. He broke his leg, so there's a lot of question of if he's even going to be ready to play, especially at the beginning of the season. If he's healthy, he probably takes the starting job from Jordan Travis. But it looks like Jordan Travis is the starter uh, down there in uh, Florida State. Then you've got five and a half is the win total for Florida State this year. They really do have some great linebackers. Their run game is improving. And for one of the first times in a while, it seems like there's very low expectations for Florida State. There wasn't championship expectations recently for them. But there was always a little bit of high expectations. Like, this is the year they could turn it around. And this year, no one's talking like that. So there's low expectations for Florida State. Um, a very historic program, Dad, but they've been down a lot lately. Your thoughts on them this season? Yeah, it's kind of sad to see that. You think of Florida State and not being a power. Um, now, again, I may talk about all this in a little bit, but I remember when all the Florida schools were down. It was a long, long time ago, uh, and then they were able to recover. So we will see. And um, but uh, Florida State probably you'd like to see them get to a bowl. But when you look at their schedule, they may be pushed to win five games. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. They um, biggest questions for Florida State is the offense has to get some pop. There's just no electricity coming from the Florida State offense right now. The offensive line and the quarterback play has to be consistent. It has to get better. The needed improvement is, though, on the defensive side. A pass rush is just deathly needed uh, there, and they don't have it right now. They need to find it this season. The secondary also struggled and will continue to do so. The win total is at 5.5. I've got them at 5 wins uh, this year. I think that we might see some improvement in the team, but not necessarily great improvement in the win column. Then Syracuse, they were in our Vanderbilt tier when we tiered the teams in the ACC. They're coached by Dino Babers, uh, 24 and 36 as the head coach at Syracuse. 
They've got the Mississippi State transfer Garrett Schrader will be the quarterback for them this year. Uh, in 2019, as a freshman at Mississippi State, Schrader played 10 games. He threw the ball 57.5% completion rate, just over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. The win total for Syracuse is three wins this season. They have a talented secondary on defense, and they really have an interesting quarterback with Schrader coming in. Uh, he's got phenomenal size to him and obviously high expectations uh, as he was a big recruit going into Mississippi State. But, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of already said our piece on Syracuse earlier when we did the tiers, but your thoughts on them this season? Yeah, they're going to, you know, again, I think they're going to struggle. Um, if we talk about these other teams in the last few, we've talked about being successful and all, then everybody's going to have to get a win against Syracuse. And uh, maybe they will and maybe they won't. Yeah, I've got Syracuse right there at their win total, three games. The biggest question is, can the offensive line block anyone? They have not been good uh, at all recently, and no matter how good your quarterback is, if he's laying on his back, it's not going to help you out very much at all. The needed improvement is the run defense. You can go to a lot of different areas of needed improvement for Syracuse, but we'll stick with that right now. So in this division, we got Clemson on top, 12 wins. NC State with eight wins. Boston College and Wake Forest with seven wins, Louisville, Florida State with five wins, and the lowly Syracuse with three wins. Now to the Coastal Division, North Carolina is the first team we'll talk about. It uh, uh, Just an amazing recruiting year that they've had actually the last two years since Mac Brown came over. Mac Brown is 15-10 and 10 at his current uh Record with North Carolina, of course, his record is much different than that all time with North Carolina. But uh, they have junior quarterback Sam Howell, who's getting a lot of attention uh, this year, as he did last year as well. 68% completion, over 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, 7 interceptions last year. Their win total is at 10. They are experienced. They're mixed with young talent. They're well-coached. And they have some very high expectations uh, this year, North Carolina does. The biggest question I have for them is their running back situation. They bring in from Tennessee Ty Chandler, who's a very, very good running back, which they need because they're going to need to replace Michael Carter and Javante Williams, both drafted into the NFL this year. Uh, they've got some needed improvement, though. They need to force some turnovers. No one on the North Carolina team had more than one interception last season. Um, they're going to have to change that up and get it uh, get it going. Dad, we might need you to change out. Um, looks like uh, – go ahead and give me your thoughts on North Carolina. Yeah, we're having some issues with Dad's audio. We're going to get him switched out. He'll be back in just a second. Um, and uh, tends to happen around the 40-minute mark of the podcast each time. Uh, so we're working on that, getting that fixed. But North Carolina, incredibly high expectations this year. Sam Howell is being mentioned as an award winner, Heisman Trophy, uh, top draft pick, all those kinds of things. And when you have that kind of expectation on you, uh, it's going to cause some problems eventually if you don't meet those expectations. And to this point, North Carolina has struggled to meet those those expectations. So I'm not sure that they'll be able to or not. We got Dad back with us. Dad, your thoughts on North Carolina Tar Heels football? Um, not not their college classes, not their basketball, but their their football team this year. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if they'll do quite as well. They're obviously talented. Their quarterback, like you said, looks like he's going to be really good. They have had good recruiting, uh, and I think they're going to be a good team. Um, I don't know that they'll challenge uh, Clemson. I'm not sure. I don't think they'll win uh, the Coastal, but I think they'll win a lot of games. Interesting. All right. Well, um, I've got them at 10 wins and uh, in a tough division for sure this year. That'll bring us to Miami. Miami's head coach is Manny Diaz. He's 14-10 and 10 as the Hurricanes head coach. Speaking of high expectations for a quarterback, they got Derek King, sixth year for King. Uh, last year, 64% completion, over 2,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions. Their win total is nine and a half games. They lost uh, some key guys, but they still hold those high expectations. They've got a really good defense on this team as well. And really, Dad, everything comes down to the health of the quarterback when it comes to Miami. If King goes down, Miami's in trouble. But if he's healthy... Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there. Your thoughts with the Hurricanes this season? Yeah, I, as you know, uh, historically, I've never been a big Miami fan compared to the other teams in the in the state. Uh, but I think Miami's ready to make a move. I think they could be back to be a prominent team, and mainly because I really like the coach. I like Manny Diaz. Um, yeah, I lived there in Murfreesboro for many years, and Manny Diaz was a defensive coordinator for two years at MTSU. And, um, you know, of course, he went to high school in South Florida. And the kids he recruited to come to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, these kids had never even knew where Tennessee was. <laughs> Murfreesboro, but he got some very talented kids to come. And you know he can recruit there at Miami. Um, and I think that's going to be a key with all these teams in Florida. I remember years ago when all three Florida teams were down. And uh, Florida State started to make the first move, I think, back up. But um, I remember, I don't think it was ever official, but when they were recruiting, their deal was, hey, there's enough good players in Florida. Um, if, if we're not going to get them, then let's don't discourage them from leaving the state because there's enough players. And then all three teams kind of turned around. And it had a lot to do with coaching when you look at that. Um, I mean, all of a sudden you have Bobby Bowden, you had Jimmy Johnson, you had Steve Spurrier, and everything turned around. And I think Miami has a good coach. Uh, he's done well as an assistant in places that he's been. I think he'll be a fabulous recruiter there in South Florida and in the state. And I think in the next couple of years, you might see Miami back up there when you talk about college football teams that are going to contend, Miami might be one. The trouble in the conference is going to be Clemson. Uh, they're always going to have that issue. But it's funny, you know, you talk for them not to get off on things, but to talk the next two or three years, um, Clemson's going to be good as long as Dabo Sweeney's there. Will Dabo Sweeney be in the NFL in three years? Oh, I don't know. Nobody thinks so. But I think you're going to, I think it would be interesting to watch how Carolina does, how Jacksonville does. How do these college coaches transition right away? And Dabble Swinney might give it a shot, and then all of a sudden things change in the ACC, even though they would still be good for several years. But I think Miami's going to do better this year and uh, continue to, to be on the upswing. The one thing you didn't mention, Dad, was the name, image, and likeness. And Miami's already proven that when it comes to getting some money to their players, yep. uh, now that they can do it out in the open, it's happening. 
And uh, so you talk about a recruiting tool. Name, image, and likeness is one of those things. And Miami is a place, number one, it's Miami. Number two, uh, I mean, by, by Miami, I mean the city of Miami. It's a, it's a pleasurable place for a young high school kid looking to go to college. And then you'd add on top of that the possibility of, of, of some good-sized chunk of change coming to you if you're a scholarship player as well. So I think there's a lot that can happen for Miami in recruiting in the years to come. I don't trust the health of De'Eric King this year, and I think everything bases on him. Um, their O-line also needs improvement. Their run, especially their run blocking, has not been great, and uh, they've got to protect the quarterback, yes, but they've got to open up lanes for the running back to get going. That only helps the quarterback as well. I still have them having a good season. I've got them at nine wins. Um, I'm really worried about King's health and whether or not he can stay healthy. If you got a guy that's been there six years and he's had hype over him for six years, he still hasn't quite met that hype yet, and part of that is because of health. And so uh, I'll give Miami nine wins this year below North Carolina. Uh, next is Pitt. They're coached by Pat Narduzzi. Uh, 42 and 34 in his time at Pitt. Uh, he has a quarterback that's in his fifth year, Kenny Pickett, 61% completion percentage, 2,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions last year. Their win total is at seven. They've got one of the easiest schedules in the ACC. They've got a good quarterback and they've got a really solid defense. Um, you know, you mentioned Pitt uh, in tier number three for you. I had him in tier four for me. Uh, so what what um, expectations, what optimism do you have for Pitt this year? Well, again, I think when you look at their schedule, like you said, it is an easier schedule. I think they could easily get uh, to seven wins. It looks like they're moving in the right direction. Again, it's one of those programs that has been good over the years and should be able to recruit. And, um, you know, I think, I think Pitt – Pitt will be a team. I think they're one of the teams that's going to win a lot of those games with the teams that are in the middle. So I always have, I, I always have a team in every conference that I'm kind of, I make my pick. I look through the schedule and everything and I just go, man, I could be wrong on this, but I'm just getting the feeling that maybe they go backwards this year a little bit, even though they've got an easy schedule, maybe that makes them float a little bit where they don't actually um, get up for some games that they should easily win, and they end up losing a game or two that they should not lose. They need to replace their pass rush. That's kind of the biggest question for them this year. And then when it comes to the needed improvement, it's the run game. They only have averaged 120 yards per game last season in the run game. And when you're playing against some of these guys like Duke, Georgia Tech, Virginia, uh, Syracuse, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna need to be able to run the ball a lot better than that. I've got them at six wins. It's still bowl eligible, but that's not a successful season for Pitt uh, this year. And I could be dead wrong. I wouldn't be completely surprised if they have eight wins and and could have had nine and maybe lost on a last second field goal or something crazy against one of the better teams. But I've got them at six wins is where I, I just looking at their schedule. That's how I counted it up this year. Virginia Tech is next. They've got Justin Fuente as their head coach. He's 38 and 26. You look at these records in this ACC Coastal Division. The coaches have done a pretty good job, uh, here. Virginia Tech has quarterback Braxton Burmeister. He played six games last season, 56% completion percentage, 687 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Their win total is seven. This has been a team of underachievers. They've got a very good run game but they've never met the expectation of the talent that's currently on 
their team. My biggest question for them is can the offense continue to deliver because the offense has been able to put up points. The needed improvement, though, is on the defense, Dad. They allowed 448 yards per game, 32 points per game, and that usually doesn't doesn't lead to a lot of wins. What's your thoughts on Virginia Tech this season? Well, again, I think they have a good coach. Um, you know, one thing about Virginia Tech is they have turned out some good players in the last few years. You always hear Virginia Tech players uh, in the NFL. Uh, that always helps with recruiting. Um, you're right, the defense is going to have to be better than that. Um, but, um, again, look at their schedule. I think they could get seven wins. Wow. Yeah, I've got them at six wins. I know their win totals at seven, but again, just looking at the schedule and I see this team continuing to underachieve as opposed to overachieve. I like Fuente. I think that he has a lot of potential as the head coach. I'm not sure that I trust in Burmeister to be the guy that carries them, uh, into improving this year. So I've got them at six wins as well. Uh, let's move on to Virginia, the who's, or some people might say who, uh, the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall, the head coach, 38, uh, and 26 is his record in Virginia. Brennan Armstrong is the head of the, the quarterback for Virginia, 58% completion last year, 2,100 yards, 18 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. They have their win total at six. They have a good secondary and an experienced team overall. The big question though is, do they have the talent to compete? Another team that the coach has done pretty well, but he doesn't really have the talent there. He hasn't been able to recruit the talent necessary to compete with the top of the division. This is a team that should be able to get to bowl eligibility, but they're not even come close to challenging at the top. Needed improvement is turnovers and third down conversions for the offense. They turn the ball over too much and they don't get the, the extended drives that they need as well, which puts their defense in a bad place. Dad, your thoughts on Virginia this year? Well, again, I think you pretty much summed it up. I think, I think they could be a team that underachieves. I think they could be the team in the ACC where some of these other teams, they, they get an upset win. Uh, it could be Virginia. Yeah, so I've got Virginia at four wins this year. I just don't think that they're quite good enough to uh, get where they need to get to uh, this season. Again, Brendan Armstrong is not the answer at quarterback. At least I don't think so for Virginia. I'm not too concerned about this prediction. I see him at four wins. Mendenhall has been able to do some good things. Um, but I, to me, the talent level is a little too, um, there's too much of a gap between their talent level and what's ahead of them in their division. So I think it's going to be a rough year for Virginia. Uh, Georgia Tech is next. They've got Jeff Collins, six and 16 as the Georgia Tech coach. And as they continue to try to transform and transition the offense at Georgia Tech, they've got quarterback Jeff Sims. He had a 55% completion percentage, 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. But he did rush the ball for 492 yards and six touchdowns last year as well. Their win total is five. They are transitioning the offense still over from that triple option. And they still have a strong run game, though, even with the transitioning offense. Your thoughts on Georgia Tech this season? Well, like I said, the key is they're transitioning. They they ran that triple option for so long, and that was the team that they were. So now, um, you know, transitioning will help them. It'll help them in recruiting. It'll help them get a quarterback, a throwing quarterback from there. 
And, um, you know, I mean, I like Georgia Tech. I would like to see them overachieve. Don't know if they will. Yeah, the biggest question for Georgia Tech is can the pass game get going? Um, this transition is going to be a slow one uh, for Coach Collins if they give him the chance. Is Sims a legit quarterback back? That's a, that's a question to ask as well. But their needed improvement comes the defense. They allowed 459 yards per game and 37 points per game last season. That's not going to work. They're going to have to do better than that. I've got them sitting right there at four wins this season because of that struggling defense, uh, mainly is my, my reasoning for that four-win total. Then lastly is the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, David Cutcliffe, the head coach, 74-88 and 88 while at Duke. They've got the quarterback, Gunnar Holmberg. He played six games last year. 72% completion percentage, but only 161 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions last season. This Duke team is undersized and under-talented. Uh, common theme here at the lower points of the ACC. Uh, biggest question for Duke is can the young talent make strides? Can they improve? And can they improve enough to compete with the teams in the middle of the ACC? Needed improvement is turnovers, a massive problem for Duke, uh, for sure. Is, uh, is just, they turn the ball over, uh, way too much. Uh, kind words, by the way, dad, from Coach McGuire. I don't know if you can see that or not, but, uh, he says, great podcast, better than ESPN. Boomer sooner, gentlemen. Welcome to the SEC, coach. Uh, looking forward to having you there. Uh, dad, give me your thoughts on the Duke Blue Devils. Um, again, you know, I love Coach Cutcliffe. Um, and um, and and he had some good teams there when he kind of went to Duke, but uh, Duke, like I said, is in bad shape now. Um, they could really have a struggle um, to win a conference game, and um, you know we'll have to see. At some point, there'll be a new coach there, and they may be able to turn it back around like they did, but they're probably away from that. Yeah, I've actually got them going over the three and a half. I've got them at four wins also. They've got a schedule that just lines up for them to get that fourth win this season. Uh, so I expect them to get to four, but obviously you don't get too excited about four wins. And, uh, uh, I mean, good night. The basketball players went to more classes than they're going to get wins this year. So, uh, Duke is still struggling in college football and, uh, they're going to have to make a change at some point if they want to be competitive. And, you know, we'll talk about it in, in other episodes later on, even next year, uh, the conference realignment and stuff like that. You kind of got to wonder if teams like Duke, you know, their basketball is going to hold them in in a lot of things. But if they get into bigger conferences, it's just going to get harder and harder for the football program uh, as well. All right, Dad, give me your um, – I think you had Miami over North Carolina in the Coastal Division, correct? Yes. Yep. And then you had – I am. Go ahead. Here be Miami and Clemson in the championship, and it should be Clemson. Yeah, I think it's North Carolina and Clemson. Uh, Clemson is just the better team at this point. Sam Howell, he has an opportunity this year uh, to to boost himself to the number one overall draft pick. Um, he could do a lot of a lot of good things for North Carolina, but it's you know uh, Clemson is so talented; they're so deep compared to all the other teams. But North Carolina has brought in a really good recruiting class the last two years and continue to do so. Miami, this is their year right now. Uh, then I think they're going to be down a little bit next year and they'll be back up again the following year. Um, but nonetheless, well, and the transfer portal could change all of that as well. They could be pretty tough next year too. But uh, that's the way that I've got it looking like as well. All right, that's our ACC college football preview. 
Next Tuesday, we will continue our college football preview. We're going to be looking at two conferences next Tuesday. We're going to be looking at the Big 12 and the Pac-12 next week. And that'll be Tuesday at 8 p.m. right here where you've watched us tonight or listened to us uh, on your podcast versions. Then on this coming Thursday, two nights from now, if you're watching us live, uh, Thursday night, 8 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Dad will not be with me on Thursday, but we will be joined, uh, rejoined by Graham Wallace, who was with us a number of episodes back. We're going to talk the baseball trade deadline. And uh, then we're also going to be joined by former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, current broadcaster, Tim Dillard, uh, is going to come on and he is going to, we're going to talk all kinds of, uh, Brewers baseball. We're going to get into the, uh, all the fun things of the second half of the season for Milwaukee currently leading the way, uh, as they are. So, it, you know, it's going to be a good conversation. Dillard is a uh, character to say the least. And, uh, so it's going to be fun to have him on. We're going to have him for about 15, 20 minutes on Thursday night. Uh, and the whole podcast is going to be baseball oriented, even though the NBA draft will be going on as we record that podcast. Uh, we're going to talk baseball on Thursday evening. All right. Uh, make sure you click the links for Yeti coolers and for skull candy. They have some great deals going on right now. If you use the link that's in the YouTube description or in the podcast notes, um, we would surely appreciate it. That way they know that we sent you as well. Uh, I want to say thank you to a locally, a local company here in Lexington, AL8. Uh, you can't see the bottle, uh, but it's a ginger ale locally made here in Kentucky. And, uh, we're working hard to get them to partner with us. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll, we'll give them some free advertisement along the way, which you can get at most cracker barrels. You can find some AL8, uh, their great Kentucky made ginger ale, uh, for you as well. All right, dad, any thoughts before we close out the episode? Nope. Like I said, it's been great thinking about college football and football starting again. And, um, uh, you know, it won't be long. I keep seeing the high school teams practicing. Yeah. You know, college will be back. The NFL, everybody's coming back to training camp now. Uh, so it'll be football season. I'm up here in Ohio. It'll be football weather pretty quick. So um, excited about it. Yeah, I've got my first high school football game. I call them on the radio stations here locally coming up here at the end of August. And uh, and everything is definitely in full tilt right now for football season. Thursday night, we're talking baseball with Tim Dillard and Graham Wallace. Next Tuesday, we're talking Big 12 and Pac-12 football. Until then, we'll see you around the sports stove. <laughs>